You're listening to the Intellectual Beats Podcast, where our focus is elevating conversations. I'm your host, Shayla Kirkendall, and every week, me and my guests will address issues that are relevant to society, share stories of how we overcame obstacles, and encourage you to take the steps needed to succeed along your journey. Are you ready to dive deep into this discussion? Then let's have the conversation. Welcome back to another episode on Intellectual Beats. I am your host, Shayla Kirkendall, and today we are revisiting our roots. That's right, I will be joined by Vera Cleveland, who is the principal at Eagle Lake Primary School in Eagle Lake, Texas, which is actually the hometown to both me and Vera. Vera graduated from Sam Houston State University in 2009, where she earned a bachelor's degree with a concentration in kinesiology, education, and mathematics. She later obtained her master's degree in 2015 with an emphasis in curriculum and instruction. Throughout her career, Vera has transitioned from teaching to becoming an instructional coach and later becoming a campus administrator. She has been in campus administration for the last four years and has served in education for a total of 13 years. Today, we will talk about the changes her school has made since the pandemic, address how her school has taken the proper measures to keep their students safe in the aftermath of the Uvalde school shooting. We will also talk about why Vera is on a mission to redefining the role of a principal as she strives to get into the classroom more to help her teachers and staff. Now, let's get into the conversation. Vera, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm glad to have you on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me and having me on. Yes, absolutely. Uh, just so that all of you who are listening or watching may know, Vera and I are actually alums of the same school district, Rice CISD. <laughs> we both went to Rice High School. Um, so I'm just so glad to have a fellow Raider to be able to talk to today. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You know, Vera, there is, there's been so many things going on and the education industry was definitely impacted since the pandemic. And so I really want to be able to get your take on so many things that have happened um, since then. So let's go ahead and dive into the, the discussion for today. Um, okay. This is your second year teaching at Eagle Lake Primary School in Eagle Lake, Texas. Um, first, let's, let's start it off. How does it feel to be able to um, come back to a school district that you, you know, you grew up in and serve in this role? Well, you know, that's a great question. I always get asked that. And I always feel just uh, blessed and privileged that I have the opportunity. Um, but for me to come back like it, um, it does almost feel like a dream, to be honest. I can't even um, lie about that. Like, it's just something about uh, being able to walk the halls that I that I walk and to be able to tell the students, like, I was once a student just like you, and I have um, a, a picture in my office, like, to show them when I was, like, in my little pre-K cap and gown, like, and so they enjoy that. And also it um, instantly gave me that credibility with the parents because they instantly trusted me because they knew this is someone that's actually going to be invested in their kids because they grew up here and now they've come back to serve. So um, I am very blessed that I get to do that. I love that. I love the the community aspect of it all. Um, tell us a little bit about what first drew you to the education industry. I just always wanted to be a teacher. Uh, when I was five years old, um, just experiences of pre-K and kindergarten, I had some great teachers. And I just, I loved how loving they were and caring to the students. 
And I was like, oh, my goodness, I, you know, I want to do that. And so I knew very young that I wanted to be in education. And of course, once you get in high school and stuff, you feel like you want to change and do other things. Because at one point I thought I wanted to be a doctor, thought I wanted to be a lawyer because it's just a natural. You want to be able to, um, you know, make good money. But none of those things felt right once I started school. Um, and so I went to Sam Houston, which is the best place you can go for education. So um, I knew that that's what I needed to be doing. So it was just always it was always a dream of mine ever since I was young. You know, what? I, I love that because, you know, following your calling sometimes, like you said, you may think about the money involved in different, uh, you know, industries, but sometimes it, it can't be limited to the money. It has to be limited to right. or not just limited, but the focus has to be on your passion and what you truly do exactly. love doing. Um, so I love that you love giving back to students because that's definitely important. Um, and speaking of that, you have been in education for 13 years. Um, what do you find in all that time frame that allows you to continue to want to impact students' lives? Man, it's just seeing the light bulbs go off, um, just seeing kids like not believing in themselves and thinking that things are too hard and just being able to see the kids persevere and push through. Um, those are some of the greatest joys that I have um, just in the real time while the school year is going on. And then, of course, you know, most, you know, that are in education, they know our greatest reward comes when we have former students come back and say, thank you for, you know, being my teacher. You were a great teacher. Like you really pushed me, you know, you really inspired me. Like those are the things that keep us going year after year is when you have um, those students. And sometimes it's some of your most difficult students, but they knew at the end of the day that you really cared about them. Um, and so that's, that's my drive. That's why I keep going um, just because of the kids. And, and now that I'm a principal, my focus is still on the kids, but now it's the whole building. And so I have to focus on staff as well. And I consider myself a people person. So um, that comes natural also with the staff as well, because, you know, when you love people, and you're genuine with them, then, you know, that shows forth. So absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to go ahead and segue here a little bit. Um, when the pandemic first hit in 2020, uh, we know that did impact the education industry, our schools, um, particularly our students, because virtual learning then had to come into play. Um, and it also infected teachers because they had to quickly figure out how to uh, reach their students and get them, you know, to be able to learn. Um, your school consists of pre-K through second grade, um, which I would think is, you know, the critical years of learning. Um, how is yeah. your school or what has your school done to be able to mentally help students shift back into learning in person? Oh, that's a great question. Um, there are a number of things that had to happen. Um, there had to be social emotional learning that we had to do, um, you know, give to the students, teach the students, because during the pandemic, of course, everybody was you know, shut away if that, you know, if that's the best way to put it, you know, everyone was away from everybody else. And the only way we could connect was socially, you know, through Zoom and things like that. So we lost that face-to-face -face connection um, and those interpersonal relationships. Uh, we weren't able to really strengthen those because we were far away from each other. So initially coming back, those are things that we had to work on. Like, how do we interact with people again, um, face to face. Um, that was critical because I feel like um, that was lost. I wasn't at the school that I'm presently at when the pandemic first started, but um, I know that these kids were extremely young, the ones that we have now. And so again, it's still the same premise, um, you know, focus on that social emotional and then 
um, filling in gaps because we knew that there were going to be learning gaps because of the pandemic. It's uh, extremely hard for a five or six year old to do, uh, you know, Zoom lessons, um, you know, holding their attention and things like that. So we knew that things were going to be lost. Um, but once we came back, we knew that there were things that we had to put in place in order to fill those gaps. So we have intervention times blocked in and things like that in order to um, to fix those missing pieces that students may have. Great. Yeah, that's great. I love how you mentioned the social also aspect of uh, and emotional when it came to virtual learning and then now shifting back into the being in, pre- in the in person this school year because um, you know, students need recess, students, they yes. need to be able to interact with their peers. Um, and so, you know, for an older student, even though they also want to interact with their peers, um, younger kids, they really need that more hands-on just, you know, presence with their peers in order to be able to, you know, have that school experience. Um, right. so, so yeah, I, I thank you for sharing that. Cause again, I can only imagine, um, a student's uh, mindset at that age when it came yes. to virtual learning. <laughs> Absolutely. And like I said, in, in pre-K, especially like part of their guidelines um, of what we have to learn from the state is how they interact with, with others, like helping them guide them, like how to interact during different parts of the day. So, yeah. So the fact that we were out with the pandemic that, you know, some of those kids a, f- a couple years ago when they were in pre-K, they lost that. They lost that opportunity to really, um, how do you say it? Like, um, get control of those, um, skills being at home. Let's go ahead and shift gears here a little bit. Cause in addition to learning in person and, and trying to get a grasp on that, uh, the next thing that our parents are now worried about is their, their student safety. Um, especially in the wake of the Uvalde, uh, school shooting. Um, what steps has your school taken to, uh, really address the security to make sure that each child is safe while at school? Yeah. So um, we know um, there's been many school shootings. Um, This is just, you know, Uvalde just happens to be the most recent one. So every time there unfortunately is one, we always um, have to, the district always has to look at their current um, safety protocols and things like that. And so we've always had the, our perimeter doors uh, locked. Um, That, that has always been like that. But I know in particular for this school year, what changed is we had on our exterior doors, not all of them, but some of them, we had like the little kickstands to where you can put put it down and then people are able to come in. Uh, we removed all of those because we want to take away the thought of you can prop a door. Um, so that's something that we've done. Um, also just the, um, the ringing of that. We have a doorbell system, which that was already in place. But uh, now um, when people visit the campus, they have to identify who they are, you know, the purpose for visiting the campus, you know, how many people um, are currently with them, you know, because there's at our school, we have a lot of people that come. So we have to make sure that we're allowing in the, the, the correct people in the party. Um, so those are some of the things that we've done um, for safety wise. We always keep our classroom doors closed. Um, they are locked. Um, and which, you know, for littles, that has been an adjustment as well, too, because, you know, um, kids frequently need to go to the restroom and things like that. But as it, we've been in school now for about um, seven weeks, so they've they've adjusted. But I know in the beginning that was um, a struggle because they weren't used to constantly having to knock to get back in. And then even before they come back in, 
um, always having to identify who it is that's at the door. You don't just open the door because you hear the knock. You just, you, we, ha we have to identify that we know who it is. And so, um, and then of course we always have our, um, uh, safety drills as well too, that we conduct every year, but now we're just really making sure that uh, those are um, done um, correctly. And if things are not, um, don't go well, if some things don't go well, then when we know when we plan for the next one, uh, the feedback that I give them, they make sure that they correct that in the next one. No, that's good. That's good. I think that's assuring to parents to know that there are uh, intentionality behind their yes. student safety. So that definitely is definitely assuring. You mentioned the drills that are being done. So that definitely helps the, the teachers and staff and everyone to be mindful of how important um, this is, especially right now, since it is still pretty right. fresh. Yeah. Um, how do you help your, um, your you know, staff and teachers to be able to, you know, be able to cope with everything that is still kind of ongoing, the school's, you know, uh, security issues, the coming out of that trend, you know, transition from virtual learning. How do you really assure them that like y'all are on the path, uh, you know, of success still for the, for the students? Yeah. And so I didn't mention, um, a few moments ago, but we also have an, a resource officer as well. Um, an additional resource officer was given to our elementary schools this year, um, to also help with the safety. Um, but as far as like um, helping the teachers to cope with the academics, um, I just tell them, you know, we we know what it is like. We're not surprised, you know, so there's not a shock as to that there's going to be learning gaps. We know that there are going to be learning gaps. Um, so it's important for us to do like teach like we, we normally teach. But then we know that we have to do a little bit more for our students because we know that some of them. Uh, there were things that were missed, not because of anything that they've done. It was just the nature of the pandemic. So um, and me just being being the leader and just walking them through that, because a lot of the times um, schools, you know, or districts, you know, they we have mandates and things that we have to follow. And, you know, teachers, you know, a lot of them say how they're burnt out. This is too much and everything. But I know, you know, at my campus, I always walk through it with them. Um, and show them this is how it should be done. You know, um, I don't just throw them out there just to do it. Like I actually model that too for them. So that way they can see that I I'm in it with you. Like, it's not something that I'm just telling you to do. Like, this is something that our students need. And if I'm the leader showing you that I can do it, we all can do it. So um, I think that's important too. just um, a lot of things for me, just kind of demonstrating that as well with the staff. And um, letting them know that I'm, I'm in it with you. Like, this is not, I'm just having you do it. And I just, I'm hands off, like, okay, take care of it. No, I'm, I'm there with them doing the same thing. I read with students and, I, you know, just whatever it is, I find little moments too to do those things because I'm showing the teachers that, you know, we just have to be intentional with um, every moment that we have uh, with the kids at school. Like, no, no time is downtime. Like if I can get still moments, I mean, now I see teachers that are out at restroom breaks and they're going over different phonics things. Like they may be going over the alphabet, like those, I mean, you can spend, those are idle moments that sometimes we just, okay, we're going to the restroom, but now it's being more intentional with, okay, let's make sure we're maximizing all of our time. So I think that's been the, the biggest thing. So Vera, I want to, you know, shift gears here a little bit. The TEA 
uh, recently released a report talking about homeschooling, the homeschooling rate. Um, this is also an open records request to the Texas Homeschool Coalition. Um, in that report, it mentioned that withdrawals from public school to homeschool in the spring of 2021 were up 40% over the prior year. Um, of course, you know, the data from fall 2021 and spring 2022 hasn't been released. And so we won't have a, a clear sense of how the Uvalde shooting may have um, affected public school, homeschool rates. But, you know, I am curious your thoughts on um, this 40 percent um, percentage. You know, wh what is your thoughts on if that is really um, allowing parents to take into consideration if they want their child to still be in a public school institution? Mm, that's very interesting. Um, and just to kind of talk about the numbers a little bit, um, I'm not really sure what all that attributes to, but I know there are a few factors and I just want to mention a few of those just because I saw it being in another ISD. Um, I know like for high school students, a lot of them love the remote option because it allowed them to be able to work. Um, you know, that gave them the flexibility because, you know, most um, schools may have given you till midnight to complete the assignments. And so that allowed them to be able to, I can have a full-time job, but then I can still come back and complete my assignment. So I think, um, you know, I, I don't know if the report breaks down like secondary schools from elementary schools, but I feel like with the, um, the older kids, I think because they want, they wanted to work, um, you know, once they were able to work, um, that gave them the opportunity for that. Um, as far as our younger students, um, I, I just think that the parents were just really naturally scared of everything with COVID and just um, their kids getting sick or maybe not even their kids getting sick. But if their kids came home and they were sick because they were asymptomatic and they brought something home, um, I think people were just naturally um, just afraid uh, of the unknown because, I mean, no one really had answers at that point because um, it was even still in 2021, early in the spring people really still didn't have fully the answers um, on how to combat this. So, and again, I'm not knocking homeschooling. I know of, of a good program that's out there, but I just know uh, that kids need that social interaction. And the best way for them to get that is, you know, in public, in a public school setting, because that's where, you know, there are a lot of children, you're, there are a lot of adults, you know, and you would get that. And, you know, part of what we do is not just to educate um, the children academically, but just preparing them for society, like to be able to function in society, um, you know, as a young man or a young woman, you know, so that that part is very important. So I don't know, it'll be interesting to see because I feel like TEA, you know, they always come out with different uh, guidelines for things like that. Things are ever changing. Um, you know, as educators, we have to be flexible because, TEA is constantly um, changing things. So it'll be interesting to see what um, further will come out. Because I know even with the safety, there's going to be more things coming down the pipeline from the state in regards to that, too. So. No, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, very earlier you mentioned how, you know, being back at your like um, like your homeschool in a way, you're able to, you know, bond with students in a certain way because it's like you were in their seats at right. one time. Um, when you just begin to think about that and also um, the importance of community at a school, what ways or is there anything different that your school has done? I know we mentioned like intervention and learning and things of that nature, but mm -hmm. um, anything else that y'all have done since coming back to school that has really 
um, instilled that community aspect to help students, you know, and parents to know like they have, you know, that 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 core value that their child's going to find at school. Yeah. So um, like you said, besides academics, one thing that I, I love to do is just showcase um, different cultures. So right now we're in the middle of National Hispanic Heritage Month, um, which runs from September 15th through October the 15th. And so, um, I mean, we have a variety of dress up days. Um, you know, we have different activities um, that we do throughout the month. I announce facts every day over the announcements. Um, you know, the teachers incorporate little things within the classroom because I want all of the kids to know that everybody is included at school. I want everybody to feel comfortable in the traditions that they do, you know, the things that they do at home. Um, and we all show an appreciation of that because we expose our students to the different things that different cultures may do, you know, so the kids, they've seen different flags and things already um, for National Hispanic Heritage Month, not probably even knowing what that flag was before. They probably have seen it um, before, but they didn't really know what that represented. So um, those are some of the things that we do. And we involve the community in that we have volunteers that come and help when we have different events and things like that. And the parents, I mean, they enjoy that. And then the parents themselves, they feel welcome at the school because they see that we're highlighting, you know, their culture and um, that makes them feel um, secure as well. Um, so those are some of the things that we do um, throughout the, you know, throughout the school year as well. Just um, showcasing and highlighting different cultures throughout the year, because I think that's important to show everybody that, you know, you play an important part to our school community and we want to highlight what you do um, within your family, you know, in the community. So. Love that so much. It's important. It's important, yes. especially the earlier you are to be exposed to that. So yes. thank you and for it, sharing that. And it cuts out um, any type of bullying or, you know, things like that, because now you know why they may do that, why they may dress like that, why they uh, respond that way, why they play like that. These type of games they play, you know, now you have a better um, appreciation because you have an awareness of um, what someone does. So it's yeah, great. Good point. Good point. And don't get me wrong. I know like, you know, there's some things, like you said, National Hispanic Heritage Month, um, like schools, I would say are probably like, there's some kind of mandation, I'm pretty sure where you kind of need to implement that in school, but it's yes. the way that it's done. So the way the teachers or you, like you said, the principal right. starting from the head as yourself, uh, trickling down, that's what makes it carried over so much more uh, yes. to the students. So I love that. Absolutely. There's one last thing I want to ask you. Um, Leading into this school year, and we're still hearing it being talked about, we have this great resignation of teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and earlier you mentioned how just seeing like the smiles on students' faces is what kept you, you know, still going at it, you know, 13 years later. But what mm -hmm. would you say to help encourage a teacher now who is thinking or a student now who is thinking about, I still want to be a teacher, but I'm not sure yet. What would you say to encourage them? Oh, great question. Um, because yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of educators that have left the profession and a lot of good ones that have left. Um, but I, in order to encourage somebody, I would say have balance. You have to have a balance. You know, some say, you know, you hear the word, uh, burnt out, they're burned out of, you know, education. And so you have to have a balance. Yes. There, there's a workload that you have to do, but then you also have to have time for your family or just things that you enjoy doing. Um, you can't forget those things because, you know, our mental health is important too. You know, we talked about the social emotional uh, of the child, but that's equally as important for the adult as well. So 
I always encourage my staff, like our families are first, like your health and all of that is important because if you're not functioning properly, you won't be able to function properly um, in the classroom. And so, um, again, being the leader, I understand that. And so um, I definitely make sure that I, I show appreciation to my staff. I think it's important as a leader, like you have to show your staff that you appreciate them. Like just like kids, adults, they they need encouragement as well, too. Um, those are all the things that may keep somebody going, even in the midst of a hard day or a hard week. But if you know that you have somebody that um, says, hey, I really liked how you did this today, you know, that even though it may seem small to the person um, who is giving the compliment, it means a lot to the receiver because they, they were fighting battles all week or all day that 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 individual didn't even know. So, um, again, but that's just being social with people, you know, that's just loving people. And, um, you know, those that, that didn't have anything to do with teaching. So I, I think we just have to get back to the point of um, just showing appreciation for people. And again, finding that balance and keeping that balance. Like if you enjoy working out, make sure you continue to work out. You know, if you enjoy going out, um, riding your bike or reading a book, still make time for those things because the moment that you um, fall back on those things, then that's when you fill it with work. And that's when your passion now is just a job. And I, I, I don't like to hear when people say this is, you know, it's a job, you know, for me, it's a passion. Um, yes, it is my job, but I'm, I'm committed to it. But again, I have balance in what I do. You know, I don't, Work, 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 work. And that's, I think that's why we see a lot of burnout because again, it's just the not having balance. And then when you don't feel like that your work means anything to anybody, then yeah, it's, you just don't want to do it anymore, unfortunately. Vera, that just summed it all up so well. Oh my goodness. Cause that's true. It's true. It is, if it's, if it's your lifestyle, you make it your lifestyle, but you yes. do it by balancing it. Oh my gosh, that was that was so good. Yes. And that's with any anything in life, not just education, whatever it is that you do, whatever you have a passion for, you know, do it. But then also again, keep in mind like you you have other things that you enjoy doing too. You have to make sure that you are, you know, filled every day too and have the energy to be able to put into your passion. I mean, if you're drained every day, you're no good for yourself or anybody else. Vera, thank you so much again for all the, just just the, the, the advice, all the knowledge you have brought today, yeah. because I, I know it's going to be helpful for someone, not just someone who's going to be an aspiring teacher, but also you know a parent who may be listening or just right. someone in the community who um, is wondering, like, what is, what is our schools doing exactly? That yes. just bringing the community back to school. Yes. That's what it's all about. Bringing the heart back to school. That's just, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Thank you again, Vera. Thank you for your time. We definitely yes. appreciate it. Um, before we let you go, can you tell us how can we stay connected with you? Is there a way we can follow you and to be in touch? Yes. Um, so I am on social media on, um, I have an Instagram account. It is Vera Cleveland underscore. Um, that's my Instagram account. Um, and then also I'm on Facebook. Um, just put in the search bar, veracleveland.m.ed, and there you'll find me. And then I also have a website. It's uh, veracleveland.com as well. So, Awesome. 
You heard it here from Vera Cleveland, principal at Eagle Lake Primary School there in the city of Eagle Lake, Texas. Vera, thank you so much for joining us again. Yes, thank you again so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us this week on Intellectual Beats. Did you enjoy the conversation? Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and let us know what you thought about this episode. You can also visit our website at intellectualbeats.com for more content. Don't forget to subscribe, review, and rate this podcast so we can continue bringing you content that will engage, uplift, and challenge you to make an impact in your everyday life.